0: Welcome to the Natural Health for People and Pets podcast, a show that aims to empower you with the knowledge and tools needed to take control of your own health and well-being, as well as providing health-promoting strategies for the dogs in your life. The world of health and nutrition can be overwhelming, so what better way to understand what works and what doesn't, what's evidence-based and what's not, than to hear it from someone in the know? So please welcome your host of the show, accredited naturopath and nutritionist, Narelle Cook. Hi, everyone. Just before we kick off this episode, something happened in the raw feeding world, which warrants a little further explanation just because of the severity that it had. So what I'm going to do is hand you over to Narelle so she can talk to you about it, because it is sort of a caveat before we kick the show off, because we talked about this subject in the show. And Narelle, being as responsible as she is, thought that, as I said, warrants further explanation.
1: It just so happened we recorded the podcast that you're about to hear before this event happened. So what happened in Victoria in Australia At this stage, 10 dogs have died and about 50 are sick. The reason for that is that they ate raw food, allegedly, from a knackery. The cause of the deaths was liver toxicity and they still don't know what it was exactly in the food that's causing the deaths and the liver toxicity. So it's still a watch this space. But I guess what I want to highlight in relation to this around raw food feeding is that the regulations and the standards around pet food that comes out of knackeries is really poor. And it does vary from state to state. I don't actually know like the detailed ins and outs of the requirements for knackeries, but I do know that the animal welfare requirements can vary from state to state in terms of what the knackeries need to sort of adhere to and apply to. But this is where it becomes really important to know where the food is coming from that you're feeding your dog. Knackeries are really poorly regulated and the quality of the food is what's not acceptable for human consumption market. Whereas an abattoir, their standards are much higher because anything produced in an abattoir is going to human consumption. So that's Mm. the difference between knackeries and abattoirs in Australia anyway. So when it comes to products like what we feed our dogs, the big dog raw food, big dog only source their meat from abattoirs. So everything they source is for human consumption. So the regulations and the standards around that food, you know, are significantly higher. So they're not associated in any way with what's been happening with the dogs that have been getting sick.
0: I'm sure they put up a mission statement over that on their website that people can go check out.
1: Yeah, they've put statements out on all their social media channels around Mm. that, that it doesn't affect their produce at all because they use the highest quality produce for our dogs, which is how it should be.
0: What happens in any industry across the world is that you always have people who raise the ceilings and aspire to all the recommended standards that are put out for safety regulations etc cetera, etc cetera. but you always get these outliers that do things cheaply or do things on the short and again i'm saying allegedly because the cause of what happened with these pets hasn't actually been outlined yet But where there's smoke, there's fire sometimes, so we just have to be careful with this. But as I'm saying, the outliers in the industry, the ones who cut corners, the ones who do things cheaply, the ones who rush their product out to market and don't go through all the extraordinary checks and balances like companies like Big Dog and other very ethical companies out there who are doing a great thing, they bring the standard down and that's where the focus goes. And it shouldn't. It should be on, well, you're not doing it right, doesn't mean all these other great companies aren't doing it right.
1: Yeah. And just before we wrap it up, whether you're feeding kibble or whether you're feeding raw, there is a spectrum of quality. So if you're choosing and you get what you pay for, so if you are choosing a poorer quality product, then I guess that comes with risks.
0: Mm. Well, without further much, let's kick off to the episode. Yep. Let's do it. Welcome back to Natural Health for People and Pets. I'm co-host of the show, Glenn Cook, and I'm joined by the host of the show, Narelle Cook. Hi, everyone back again for another episode.
1: I know. Before
0: we get any further into it, let's talk about our wonderful sponsor, Big Dog Pet Foods.
1: Big Dog Pet Foods. We love Big Dog Pet Foods. Our dogs love Big Dog Pet Food raw patties. For those who aren't familiar with Big Dog, they're an Australian owned company. They use Mm. 100% human grade ingredients, which is so important. Like If people understood The crap that goes into most processed dog foods, like your kibbles and things like that.
0: It's very low grade foods that go into it. Like it's like the point where they're almost, well, it's just disgusting. To be honest, there are companies out there that are getting better but the great thing about Big Dog Pet Food is that they're very transparent about what they're using. Mm. They're using very fresh quality foods and their product testing and quality testing on a regular basis.
1: Absolutely. Like their policies and procedures and everything they've got in place to ensure like the highest quality food for your dog mm. is just amazing. And the thing is like a lot of the other companies are starting to lift their game because of the increased awareness now from consumers Mm. wanting something better for their pets. But Big Dog have been in the raw food feeding game for like 20 years now. So they've always held their product to the highest standard. So it's not just a new, oh, we've got to like please the people now that they know better.
0: They're just looking at raising the ceiling from the get-go and getting better and better with it. Yep. Yeah. Mm.
1: If you've never jumped onto the website, there's some amazing resources there, including some articles by moi in their resources tab.
0: And you've been on Poochers at Play with Lara?
1: Yes. So that was really exciting. And what's um, the
0: dude's name? I keep forgetting. Morgan. Morgan. Yeah. Lara and Morgan. Yeah. How can I forget another handsome, bold man before?
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm sure he'll love to hear that. Jump onto the Big Dog website, bigdogpetfoods.com. Jump onto their Instagram and Facebook pages. There's always, I don't know how their marketing department put out so many socials every day. I'm just envious. At uh, big Dog. Yeah, every day I see something popping up.
0: That's from your wonderful friend there.
1: Jean. Jean. Yep, love you, Jean. Um, <laughs> no, but it is, it's amazing. Like, and I love them. And there's a lot of interaction on their pages. So if you haven't already liked their Facebook page, like their Instagram page, and yeah, it's just really great. Yeah,
0: so. the product is really cool. Our dogs really love it. I know we say this every episode, but it's because our dogs loved it so much and Narelle started researching what the actual product was and what was going into it because we needed something that was convenient. Our workloads are just stupid. Yeah. You know, we would love to sit there and buy a grinder and grind up all the food and do oh, everything yeah. that. Love it, to. Do and that. we we talked yeah. about doing that at one stage. And mm. um, why do that when we've already got? availability of such a great food that meets all the nutritional requirements our dogs need.
1: That's like two minutes down the road for me to buy and two minutes for me to feed. Mm. So as a pet owner, if you're venturing into raw food feeding, don't be put off or made to feel bad if you don't make your own raw meals for your dogs. I mean, I've done it in the past and I can easily do it again, but I am really time poor and I don't consider it a lesser position to feed commercial big dog patties. It is absolutely such high quality food.
0: I mean, if you've got a specific diet you've got to follow, then yeah, Yeah. okay, fair enough. That's understandable. But for your average dog where you're feeding raw, the ingredients are great. The convenience is great. It's all there. You can Mm. do it easily and you simply pop it out of your freezer and then straight into the dog bowl after it's frosted out. Yep. Defrosted out, I should say.
1: So let's get on to today's topic, which is another sort of a bit of a controversial topic. I want to talk about the safety of raw food versus kibble because- It regularly comes up on social media. There's so many pet owners that express concerns, mainly on Facebook, where they've gone to their vet, they've told their vet that they've started to feed raw and the vet is just all over them saying, you know, don't, don't, you know, that's so dangerous. It's dangerous for you. It's dangerous for your dog. It's dangerous for your kids and your family. And like, you're all going to die. And they just scaremonger them about the risks of raw food feeding. I'm
0: sure we've said this before, but it befuddles me that they're talking about handling raw foods. What do we handle when we go shopping for ourselves? On a daily basis, you're handling raw chicken, mm. raw beef, raw lamb, all of those type of foods. Why aren't we dropping dead?
1: Exactly. And I'm, in a little bit, I'm going to just sort of highlight the absurdity in like what the actual human situation is mm. and in contrast to the dog situation. So, yeah, we'll get to that in a little bit more detail But one of the main reasons we're told to feed our dogs like these heavily processed, chemically treated, chemically preserved foods over fresh meat-based products is because the claim is that they are safer from a microbial contamination point of view for both our dogs and us. But while the rendering and the extrusion processes, I mean, they do help to kill bacteria and preserve foods, Mm. but processing absolutely does not guarantee safety. Like that is such a huge misconception.
0: Hence why there's been a lot of product recalls on the market.
1: Yep. So by the end of the show, people will have an absolute clear idea of just what the situation is and Mm. it's so not what the vets and the authorities are telling us to be.
0: I should say not all vets and not all authorities. No. So we've got to be fair because there are, you know, some great vets out there as well who are giving Mm. some really balanced advice as well.
1: Yeah, that's true. Let's not generalise. Yes. Yep. When kibble's made, they, a lot of the time, not always, but a lot of the companies, you know, they do use the absolute porous quality, low grade ingredients, such as what's called or referred to as the four so Ds, dead, dying, diseased and disabled, which means they could be scraping roadkill up and putting it in kibble. Or... So we're not
0: saying they are, we're just saying they could be.
1: They could be. It's known to happen in some kibbles in some places. Well, so. the,
0: the old product standard for or what they used to be called in the industry was fallen meat. Yeah, So it's an animal that's died in a paddock and it's been, you know, like it may have just died but still it's just fell over in the paddock and it's been thrown on the back of a ute and driven out to the cannery.
1: Yeah, rather than like going through the formal slaughtering process. Right. Things like that. But the thing is the processing treatments that they use, such as the rendering and extrusion processes, they're absolutely necessary. When you're using a poor quality ingredient, that's a high bacterial contamination load. Mm. So they need those full-on processes to kill off as much bacteria as possible. Whereas by necessity, raw foods, they have to start with a much higher quality ingredient because mm. they don't have the luxury of that processing and those temperatures to kill off high contamination. Mm. So they have to start with a cleaner product. The crazy thing is the regulators, particularly when I was looking into this in more depth, most of the information is coming out of the US. And in the US, like they allocate far more resources like the authorities and more time monitoring raw foods. Which actually leaves like the processed foods underregulated, even though they're known to use contaminated ingredients, and they've been linked to so many outbreaks, like resulting not just in illness and death to tens and thousands of pets, but also like human illness. But you know, no one's watching them. The whole focus is on raw foods and um, just trying to pick up anything that they can sort of blame them for. Mm. And I've no doubt that there's like a lot of politics behind this war on raw. As I read it put somewhere, which I really liked. The
0: war on raw. Yeah. Okay. Um, Wow.
1: Yeah. So I really like that. So I'm using that now. Mm -hmm. But for authorities like the FDA to continually state that, quote, raw pet food diets can be dangerous to you and your pet and to discourage its use, like it just doesn't make any sense. And, you know, as you mentioned at the beginning of the show, especially when we compare it to the human situation. So if we look at the, the human food situation and the associated health risks, like in Australia... Food poisoning affects, they state around 4 million people each year. Mm -hmm. But in the US, like there was a 2015 report that stated that 48 million Americans suffer from a foodborne illness each year and 3,000 die from it. Wow. That's crazy. And, you know, the main reason for that, that was outlined in the report is, you know, people aren't cooking their food properly. People aren't storing their food at the correct temperatures. They've got poor hygiene when they're handling food. There's cross-contamination with food prep. And the top culprits are actually fresh fruit and vegetables. So particularly things like tomato and zucchini, like sprouts are notorious for contamination, leafy greens and some fruits. But, you know, no government is calling for a ban on fresh fruit and veggies in favour of highly processed or canned versions, even though like millions of people are getting sick and thousands of people are dying each year from fruit and veg.
0: Wow, that's just crazy.
1: Even closer to home in New South Wales, just last year, a 2020 report by the New South Wales Food Authority stated that nearly 26% of raw chicken samples that were taken from supermarket shells, so intended for human consumption, tested positive for salmonella mm-hmm. and 90% tested positive for Campylobacter. So that's just another food poisoning bacteria. And then the report went on to state that there's been an increase in number of food poisonings due to supermarket eggs. But again, Their advice wasn't to ban chicken and eggs, but rather, and I quote from the report, for consumers to be more careful with food preparation and storage. Mm -hmm. And yet, you know, there's this, oh, I don't even know. Stigma? Well, I just get so rolled up by it. So the issue isn't the raw food. It's about poor education. Yeah. And in a lot of instances, just poor common sense.
0: I know I'm repeating myself from earlier before, but it just befuddles me how the talk about raw pets and yet we're handling raw food ourselves, it it just befuddles me. Yeah. I just don't get it. It
1: makes no sense. It makes
0: no sense. When I've had these discussions with people before and they kind of look at you like you're an idiot Mm. and I'm thinking, really? I'm the idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Like when you go home and you're doing a barbecue, are you handling raw meat and then washing your hands afterwards while you put them on the barbecue or you just like- handling raw meat and sticking your fingers straight in your mouth. I know. I know. I'm ranting myself, but where you get it, rolled up yeah, about it, it, it's it does. Like you read things on the internet and you just think, what pill are you on?
1: Yeah. So bringing it back to pets, there's one paper I was reading that summarised the US pet food recalls like, that the FDA had sort of published between 2007 and 2018. And of those, because the topic is raw versus kibble, kibble and canned pet foods combined accounted for more than 93% of all pet food recalls. Mm-hmm. Whereas raw pet food accounted for less than 0.5%, and dehydrated and freeze-dried pet foods was even less again. So it was like 0.03 or you know percent. So just minuscule. And salmonella contamination is actually the number one reason for kibble recalls in the US. Right. So everyone's bagging raw, but salmonella in kibble is the main reason for recalls. And between 2012 and 2019, 68,000 tonnes of dry food was recalled for containing pathogenic bacteria. Whereas during that same time, only 900 tonnes of raw food was recalled. We're not saying there aren't risks to raw food. There's risk to everything. But 900 tonnes versus 68,000 tonnes, I mean, that sort of puts it into perspective. And since 2007, 134 people roughly have been known to have contracted salmonella from dry pet food. And over half of these are children less than two years of age, which is scary. So despite this risk to toddlers, when do you ever hear warnings about kibble from your vet or the authorities? Mm. And in comparison to that, from what I could gather, less than 10 adults have become sick due to a raw food product. And I couldn't see any instances of children getting sick from a raw food product.
0: And to be honest, if we didn't have the internet these days, we probably wouldn't know a lot of this because the marketing Mm. spin doctors would have covered it up by now. I mean, even to avoid a product's brand not being damaged, they spin it Mm. away from it straight away. So they're distracting you and saying, oh, look at this pretty colour in the corner instead.
1: Yeah, look at this raw food that's had one... We've
0: we've rebranded it and put a a different colour on the packet. So now it's it's completely different and it's all good. But look, to be honest, if it does help the companies raise their bar and raise their ceilings, Mm. that's a good thing.
1: There's a really interesting case that involved raw pet food, like human illness caused by raw pet food. And it was in the UK and there was an E. coli outbreak involving a particularly virulent strain of E. coli, which is called the sugar toxin producing E. coli. Mm -hmm. And they'd linked this particular strain to some raw pet food. And I think it was the tripe in particular. So four adults got infected and one person actually died because they developed a kidney complication from it. But this is where common sense really comes into it. Because one of the people that got sick was brushing his dog's teeth. Using his own toothbrush Oh my god So it wouldn't have Like it probably wouldn't have mattered What the person (laughs) was feeding their dog Like Chances are they were going to get sick They just happened to be feeding The raw food to their dog I mean Really I mean that's so working against The cause of raw food feeding When you're sharing toothbrushes With your dog Mm.
0: To be honest I let my dog Well I let our dogs lick my face. um, And I usually wash my face afterwards and so forth. But
1: I know you can't avoid it sometimes. You can't avoid it sometimes.
0: Like sometimes when you're in the ground and Ladybug or Pixel runs over and starts licking your ear or something like that. But (laughs) when I see people on YouTube with their mouth open and their dog licking Uh, inside their mouth, I mean, that curdles my stomach, to be honest. Just jumping back onto this topic again, where people are talking about the raw pet food thing. Like people have said to me before, it's irresponsible for me to talk about it, influencing other people. To, to allow this raw feeding phenomenon to take place without they discussing the risk behind it. But as I've said to them, wear gloves and wash your hands and wash the bench down mm. later in like isopropyl alcohol or something like that yeah. or normal thing that you would do when you're cooking your own food, like be sanitary and be clean. Mm. And they're saying, yeah, but once you feed it to the dog and it's in the dog's mouth, then the dog can lick you and get it. And I said, if you watch your dogs carefully as we do and we, you know, as trainers or owners and so forth, Dogs go out and eat animal shit off the ground. Like Mm. they lick bird poo and they eat possum poos. And, you know, like our dogs are notorious for doing things like that. How are you going to stop that from happening when you're not supervising your dog's activity all the time and you don't know what sort of bacteria is floating around in your dog's mouth? These sort of things are going to happen. We've sort of got into a silly area, but.
1: Don't quote me on this, but I'm sure I heard or read somewhere recently that dogs have a lot of antimicrobial. and antibacterial compounds in their saliva.
0: I've heard that too. And
1: whatever it was I heard said that you're more likely to get manky bacteria from kissing your partner than from like your dog sticking his tongue in your mouth accidentally.
0: I have heard, I'd like to confirm it if there's Mm. anybody out there who actually knows, but I've heard that you are 10 times more likely to get an infection in your bloodstream from being bitten by a human than you are by a dog.
1: Mm, That's interesting. Mm. Yes, if anyone knows. If
0: anyone knows, let us know. But it could be an urban myth. I'm not entirely sure.
1: Yeah, so I just want to finish up on that UK E. coli outbreak. Mm. So a review of more than 2,000 sugar toxin producing E. coli cases between 2013 and 2017 found that handling raw pet food was reported in 12 patients, so 0.6% of all cases, and only 9 of those 12 were infected with the actual human pathogenic strain of E. coli, so that's 0.5%. Mm. So my point is 99.5% of human contamination with this virulent strain of E. coli came from sources other than the raw pet food. But all the focus is on whenever one case happens with raw pet food, that's the headlines. Whereas what about the other 99% of cases that are happening that aren't due to raw pet food, you know, due to human contaminated food or wherever they're picking it up from the environment. Exactly. So it's very, what's the word, myopic?
0: Yeah, myopic
1: and a research group from the University of Helsinki called Dog Risk and if you haven't checked out their website do there's lots of amazing research coming out from them about um, raw food diets and just more natural approaches to dog health and nutrition so they surveyed 16 just under 16 and a half thousand households from 81 countries around the world and the household owners had to fill out a survey and only 24 households suspected contamination from pet food and only 3 of those were able to actually match the pathogen in the meat fed to the dog as the same pathogen that infected the human, and all of them were E. coli. So, again, 99.6% of households surveyed that feed their dogs like raw food on a daily basis like didn't report any illnesses or issues in terms of transmission or getting sick. Mm. So, again, the focus is so skewed to the minority of cases when, in most instances, not really an issue. And again, you know, there's always that talk about. Shedding of pathogenic bacteria in feces. And there was a study that assessed the levels of pathogenic bacteria in the feces of dogs fed a raw meat based diet compared to dogs fed a kibble based diet because, you know, the assumption is that the raw fed dogs are going to have much more like pathogenic bacteria in their poo than the kibble-based dogs. And while like in this particular case, some bacteria were more frequently detected in the faeces of the dogs for the raw food, but the difference wasn't statistically significant. So again, it's so easy to take that information and make it sound like something it's not, but Mm. from like a scientific point of view, you can't say there's any difference in it. And then when they actually assessed the species of Campylobacter that came out in the raw food group, You know, it's like the E. coli case. Like there were no typical human pathogenic species identified. So just because something's present, it doesn't automatically mean it's a problem. Mm. So with E. coli, you can have hugely virulent strains of E. coli and you can have like just commensal, like on our body, everyday sort of E. coli that's not causing any problems. Mm -hmm. With Campylobacter, there's again, more virulent and less virulent strains. So, you know, pet owners, like they're constantly bombarded with information on the dangers of raw pet foods. But you just don't hear of the dangers of kibble, despite the number of published recalls and outbreaks linked exclusively to kibble, including the largest pet recall in industry history, which isn't a bacterial one, but that's that melamine recall back in 2007, where like nearly 50,000 dogs got sick, nearly 15,000 from memory died. I mean, I know that doesn't affect humans, but we're not physically getting sick, but it affects humans in terms of you know, no one wants their dog dying of chemical contamination of the food they're feeding them.
0: Yeah, and it's just incomprehensible that that was ever allowed to happen.
1: Yeah, and look, it probably is still going on to some extent. We just don't know about it. Mm. But it's not just bacterial contamination of kibble that pet owners need to worry about. So, dry food is also notorious for containing mycotoxins. So, mycotoxins—they're poisonous chemical compounds that are produced by molds. And they live on different types of food, but the main source of their growth are grains like corn. So the problem with mycotoxins in kibble is that cooking doesn't destroy the spore. So the rendering and extrusion process of kibble is really great at killing bacterial contamination, but it doesn't kill mycotoxin contamination. I mean, kibbles these days is, you know, in most instances, not everyone, but, you know, up to 60% of a bag of kibble can be grain-based. Yeah. And again, because it's pet food, they're not using high quality grains. It's all the sort of human reject stock that's sort of sitting there getting moldy on the concrete slab that sort of gets pushed into it.
0: And if anyone doesn't know too, you actually have a bachelor's in agricultural science.
1: I do. That was-
0: That was your first job.
1: 25 years ago. Yeah. And
0: and you used to study molds and spores and-
1: Yep. I loved fungi. Yeah. I was a plant pathologist for 10 years, so- Mm right up my alley. But, you know, studies shown, you know, 100% of dry foods tested came back positive for mycotoxins. You know, even long-term exposure to low levels in pet foods has been shown to cause health problems in dogs, particularly relating to the liver, but even cancers being associated with mycotoxin intake. And the main thing with mycotoxins, like the main one we have to worry about is called aflatoxin. And it's actually known... Or deemed to be one of the most carcinogenic substances known to man. Wow. So, I mean, this is.
0: What is it again? Say it again.
1: Aflatoxin. So, aflatoxin is a type of mycotoxin, which is a type of mold that you find a lot on grains. Right. So, even though that, like the presence of mycotoxins in kibble, like it's not likely to affect pet owners like the bacterial salmonella contamination, unless people are sticking their head in the bag or they're, you know, eating it themselves or licking their fingers after playing with it. But there, there have been lots of documented deaths in dogs due to consuming food contaminated with mycotoxins, and they say that mycotoxins pose one of the most serious health threats to our pets today. So that's no good. Another health concern from kibble, and this one affects humans too, is storage mites. It might sound really sort of benign, well, storage mites, big deal, but they're an actually a source of potential allergens in dogs. So they're known to contribute to atopic dermatitis Mm -hmm. in dogs, which is just like an eczema for dogs. And again, lots of studies have shown that, you know, when they test products, you know, the majority come back positive for mites. One tested commercial dog foods in Australia. So previously unopened bags of dog food. And as soon as they open them, they're able to get a positive reading for like viable live mites but it was to such an extent that the authors of the paper said that that level is likely to lead to like heavy storage mite contamination if the kibble is stored under less than ideal conditions so higher temperatures and higher humidity which a lot of people tip their bags of kibble into big bins and leave it in a garage or somewhere where there is a lot of temperature fluctuations Mm -hmm. and that is the worst for a lot of reasons beyond storage mite but that's the worst thing you can do storing your kibble. But the way it impacts human health is that if people or pet owners, you know, are tipping bags of kibble into bins or just scooping it out, that any inhalation of those mites or even like the metabolic byproducts of the mites or the feces of the mites has been shown to trigger asthma, allergic rhinitis, contact dermatitis, enteritis, and even anaphylaxis in some people. So Mm -hmm. another red cross for kibble. Again, we're taught to be super careful when handling raw meats for ourselves, but the same level of education just isn't given when it comes to handling dry food, such as kibble. And you think about it, like most people are so lax, like I'm not, ever since I've sort of learnt more over the last few years about like the dangers of contamination in kibble, but most people are so lax about washing their hands after they've handled, you know, those jerky treats or if you pick up a handful of dry food to, I don't know, treat your dog or feed your dog. I think all the trainers... Out there with like kibble in their pockets, in their like little training pouches, and a lot of it getting really manky because yep. it's there for too long. But if you then
0: go and stick their fingers in their mouth or something straight afterwards.
1: Well, if you're out training dogs all day, you know, using kibble as a reward treat,
0: carry some hand sanitizer with well, you. Well,
1: I mean, it's inevitable that people are going to put their fingers in there, like rub their eyes, their mouth, maybe pick their nose, but mm-hmm. yeah, you know, just have lunch, have a drink, and they're not going to be washing their hands. After, you know, every time they touch a piece of kibble. But, you know, the evidence shows that kibble is highly contaminated in many instances with salmonella. Mm -hmm. So if you're a trainer and you feel like you're getting sick more often than the average person, maybe think about kibble as a potential source and needing to wash your hands a little bit more. Or, you know, the jerky type. I'm always, when I'm moving our dogs around, I always like break off a bit of jerky treat to give them. Every time I do now, as soon as I come back inside, I wash my hands. Mm -hmm. It's good habits. And, you know, young kids can easily pick up a handful of dry food from the dog's bowl and things like that. So it's just, again, coming back to common sense. But because people aren't aware of the risks of kibble, I guess it's not.
0: Well, you kind of think, oh, it's cooked. It's all done and dusted. There's nothing more to worry about.
1: That's right. And so people do have a meal and lick their fingers after, like, handling dog food, Mm. dry dog food. So I guess to sort of bring things to a close, I'm not dismissing the risks of raw food feeding. And
0: we're not anti-kibble.
1: No, it's just about awareness. Mm. Like I said, all the blame is being put on raw food and there's just no education about the risks connected with kibble Mm. because it's a dry food.
0: But there are kibble companies that are getting better and their industry best practices are improving Mm. because of subjects like this are being more highlighted in the public now. Mm. There is a demand for better practices and better ethics behind the manufacture of pet foods and so forth, which is... Absolutely fantastic because, as we said before, you know, there's just some deplorable behaviour in some of these pet food manufacturing, full stop, Mm. where it's great to be aligned with companies like Big Dog and so forth that we're aligned with that do have exceptional quality and standards, and that's great to see.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, there are some people that are at more risk of infectious disease or sort of contamination from food, whether it's human food, whether it's raw dog food, whether it's kibble. Mm small children, the elderly, anyone who's like immunocompromised, just really sick, they need to be even more vigilant regardless of whether it's raw kibble or human. Mm -hmm. Again, so that comes back to common sense. Yep, agreed. And again, remember, like we said at the start of the show, there are far more instances of food poisoning and human illness due to contaminated human foods Mm -hmm. compared to dog foods. So I just keep coming back to like why is the message being put out there that we should be depriving our dogs of like a species-appropriate raw food diet that they naturally thrive on. It's what they're designed to eat because of pathogen concerns when the bulk of the evidence relating to outbreaks, recalls, illness, and deaths for our pets is due to kibbles and canned food. And if anyone is not currently feeding raw because they've been too afraid of the health risks, the easiest way to get started is by using like a high quality commercial product, such as the big dog raw patties, because there's no mess. You're not cutting up raw muscle meats and organ meats and, you know, there's not blood all over the kitchen and utensils contaminated with anything. You literally cut open an individual packet, pop it in your dog's bowl, wash your hands, wash the fork. That's a really easy way to start. So if you've got a vet that has been down on you about your raw food feeding or you wanting to feed raw but you're not yet, grab a commercial product.
0: One word or a couple, vinyl powder-free gloves. Wear them, (laughs) y'all. Yeah.
1: Okay, so anyway, that's my two cents on just the difference in the dangers of raw food versus kibble. So I think maybe some people didn't realise just how prevalent the contamination in kibble is and the dangers of bacterial contamination such as salmonella from kibble. So I really hope that it's enlightened people Mm -hmm. a little bit. It's really just touching the surface of the whole debate, but it's a good start, so... I think we might leave it there. If anyone's got any questions, they can jump onto my Facebook page, Natural Health People and Pets. You can go to my website, naturalhealthandnutrition.com.au. And while you're on my website, jump onto the shop tab because I've got some amazing new products available for our dogs. We've got the Liquid Herbal Range, mm-hmm. which have been hugely popular since I've released those. I
0: know.
1: Yeah, hugely popular. So. You're sitting in
0: there with your beaker and your all your little utensils, mixing things up like a little lab yeah, technician.
1: Love it! And we've got the new Vet Activate range. So currently, the only place you can get those in Australia is from my website. Exciting! So yeah, they've got the Joint Health and the Joint Care MediStrength, which are both based around the the active constituents in turmeric. And if with you want to know more about those products, you need to go to my other podcast,
0: the one that we did last episode.
1: Last episode on the differences between turmeric and curcumin. Yes. Okay, so. Thanks, everyone, and we'll catch you next time. Sounds good. Bye. Bye.